Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Saints Preserve Us, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about every saint you'll ever need. I'm Christian O'Toole. I'm here with Sean Kelly, author with Rosemary Rogers of the book Saints Preserve Us and the Birthday Book of Saints and a few other books you can check out. Rosemary is on vacation in the Dominican Republic this week, but she is joining us via the miracle of satellite technology. Rosemary, can you hear us? I can hear you fine. This is just a miracle. So many miracles. Are you feeling the vibes of St. Dominic down there in his republic? Well, you know, I'm tr- I'm trying to avoid them, actually, because I don't think they're very healing vibes myself. Okay. You know? All right. But he's, he's appropriate, though, because he was the one to whom the Blessed Virgin Mary gave the rosary, right? Oh, that's right. So on this why, piece Why of- did she pick him, I wonder? I mean, <laughs> he was in the right place at the right time. Exactly. Probably. Could have been another. But anyway, it being the Feast of the Assumption, I thought it was interesting that you were there in the land of the rosary. Well, speaking of the Assumption, I owe Sean Kelly an incredible debt of gratitude because he brought Mary to me. And I'll tell you what happened. Every girl that grows up with nuns are urged to be, quote, Mary-like, which means, you know, you can't have any fun and you've just got to, like, be a goody-goody. Just never do anything at all. And it was what you have to do is be Grace Kelly, although we all know that Grace Kelly wasn't Mary-like. But anyhow, it's what they what they wanted you to do. And so I almost spent all my grown-up years resisting her because of that. And it was a big mistake because she's wonderful, you know. I mean, she didn't care when people told her she couldn't have that baby and she just, you know, that she was disgracing her family. She just had her mind made up and she stood up to everybody. And she was a woman of a lot of strength. Mary was not Mary-like, you know. She was very rebellious. And Sean was the one who really, you know, led me to her. He was always talking about how much he called her his girlfriend. <laughs> you can believe such a thing. I mean, he just was so devoted to her. Now, she's so I've the only saint that, that I'm nervous about joking about. There's, I think the ultimate Catholic joke is Jesus goes down to the gates, the pearly gates, and says, Peter, there's some kind of a riffraff in here. You know, I told you we want, only want, you know, good people. And St. <laughs> Peter says, I know, Lord, I, I turn them away, but they go round back and your mother lets them in. <laughs> That's her. So she's the last hope of a sinner that maybe his mother will let you. Remember that story of the guy painting the roof of a church in an Italian neighborhood and an old Italian woman comes in and kneels down and begins to pray and he thinks he'll have some fun. So he shouts down, hey, it's me, Jesus. I'm answering your prayers. He pays no attention whatsoever. <laughs> he yells, lady, what do you want? It's me, Jesus. She looks up and says, shut your face. I'm talking to your mother. <laughs> So I think that's a good transition to explain what the Feast of the Assumption into Heaven of the Blessed Virgin Mary is, for those who don't know. And of course, first things first, the BVM, Mary, was the mother of Jesus. If you don't know that, then you really just haven't been paying attention at all. (laughs) (laughs) Find another channel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is not the show for you. But 
we covered in an earlier podcast that the birth of Mary was the Immaculate Conception, that she was born without original sin. Yeah. And then the birth of Jesus then was the incarnation, not the Immaculate Conception, but he was the true incarnation of God himself or herself or itself, whatever you want to call it. And then the assumption is essentially when Mary died, she was fully bodily assumed body and soul into heaven. Is that accurate, Sean? Can you kind of walk us through what happened here? Well, between the events is the ascension, which is after his death and resurrection, Jesus ascended into heaven, but under his own power. Ah, yes, he what? went under his own steam, unlike Mary, who had some help with from, from angels. the people up above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it was angels. So, well, according to St. Thomas, it was angels anyhow. And why would he lie to us? And he was on the scene, probably. <laughs> yes, he was. He was late, though. Now, as she was dying and all the apostles were gathered, St. Thomas was in India, as we know. And in order to get back, he flew. Uh, I don't think he flew Air India, but he, <laughs> he flew back to Jerusalem. And her tomb was on Gethsemane, which is coincidental to say the least. But by the time Thomas got there, she was gone. She had... And, the tomb. Yeah, just like her son. But Thomas said he didn't believe, of course. He told the other apostles he didn't believe. And so from the sky, Mary dropped her girdle right. to St. Thomas. And so for the rest of his career in India, he, he waved that girdle at all the heathens. Well, this was because mm-hmm. she didn't want him to doubt like the phrase doubting Thomas That's right. comes from the fact that he may have questioned whether all this really went down <laughs> because right. he didn't see it with his own eyes. He was not gullible. And having a girdle, holding a girdle has got to be a lot more gratifying than sticking, you know, your hand in a pulpy open wound, which is what he had to do the previous time he doubted. So this is uh, sure, step a up. big improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like those like 80s rock concerts where women would throw their bras on stage or something. And their pants at, at Tom Jones. <laughs> well, they yeah. did it with Liberace too. <laughs> yeah, which was not going to go anywhere. Really. It was a waste of uh, underwear. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, the, at a certain point, I mean, tradition, the medieval church held, especially in the Eastern Orthodox Church, this thing that they called it the Dormination of Mary because she had fallen asleep in the Lord. And everyone knew that she had been assumed into heaven, but it wasn't doctrinal. You didn't have to believe it. The Pope hadn't said, believe this or check out because you're not in the club anymore. And Pius XII actually issued a bull ex cathedra. There was not any question about it. The Feast of the Assumption and that Mary had been assumed bodily into heaven. And I guess it scared off some pikers. <laughs> oh, I, my question, Sean, you will probably have the answer for this. I've heard so many people say they visited Mary's house in Turkey, Ephesius, I think. And however, she was in Jerusalem when she dropped her girdle, I mean, yes. when she was assumed into heaven. So did she fly to get there? Or, I, I don't, don't understand. You know, what's what's she, the thing with Turkey? Her church is also on the top of a mountain with a monastery, I think. You know the way the Rabbi Schneerson's house has been duplicated many times? There's one in New York and there's another in uh, Jerusalem or something. It's to make him feel welcome when he comes back. Mm. And I think the same thing is true for Mary's houses. There's probably a number of them in case she decides to, you know, drop in to collect her girdle, which is she must be. (laughs) So where is the girdle now? Do we know? We know. We know where the girdle is. It's a secret, though. Sean doesn't want to tell you. I'm going to tell you now. There's a church in Syria 
a Syriac Christian church, which is called the Church of the Holy Girdle. <laughs> and in which, as recently as 1958, they were digging around in the rubble and found the girdle. Wow. So that's one place it is. There's a cathedral in Tuscany where it's on display, her girdle, and it, it's made of goat's hair. <laughs> it's dyed green and, and embroidered with golden thread, but assumed that some empress did that. Then in Greece... The monastery on Athos, the most sort of famous and celebrated of all the holy mm -hmm. monasteries, where if a woman thinks about it twice, she drops dead, right? It's really pure. Right. They have the girdle as well in a reliquary. Really? And Even in, though it was a I know, I know it's a female thing. I don't know how it doesn't contaminate <laughs> all their purity and <laughs> chastity. But anyhow, they allowed it out in 1991. They allowed it to tour Russia. And it was an enormous hit all over Russia. In those days, remember, Putin was trying to get the Orthodox Church back on his side because the communists had been kind of snotty to them. And thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in St. Petersburg and Moscow lined up to pay their respects to the Holy Girdle, including Putin himself. Apparently, he was first in line. <laughs> To meditate on the... Uh... He cut the light to get to see the girdle. Yeah. Oh, God, he's so horrible. <laughs> of all the things he's done, I mean, that might be the worst. That's so bad. There's That's also, so bad. I just discovered in my research that a little tiny piece of the girdle, just a fragment, is in a church in Mumbai in India. Mumbai? Yeah. Oh, wow. Is that the Thomas connection? Yeah. Uh, yes. Somehow no, no, no. A... He was in Goa. Yes. But the this was sent to them by the Syriacs. <laughs> it was delivered to the wrong address. It was at the wrong address. <laughs> so what I found interesting about the assumption is that Mary is one of only two people who is bodily present in heaven. It's just her and Jesus. Seemingly. That her body and soul were assumed into heaven. Right. So it's just the two of them up there? Physically? I guess physically, but that means heaven, heaven is a physical place. Yeah. You can imagine Jesus just floating around in the sky. But when his mother joins him, you know, there are two dots that must be connected, the straight line between two points. It, mm -hmm. it means that heaven is literal. Right. Right. It's not a state of mind. It's a physical realm somewhere. Right. Yeah, with rocks and trees. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just funny. It reminds me of like we were talking about last week of Monica and Augustine, you know, being so connected that they had this mystical experience together. But I just like the idea that it's just Jesus and his mom living together. You the know, mother like, and child reunion. Yeah. All I these guys that Simon live in their mother's Bruce. basements that get such a hard time <laughs> oh, in life. Like they're very Christ-like, apparently. But, you know, he, he sort of was a little sassy with her, I thought, on a few occasions, especially at Cana, when she wanted him to change the water into wine and he was balking about it because he was resting or something. He just didn't want to do it. And she really had a lead on him. And I don't know. My mother asked me to change water into wine. I would have done it immediately. It's true. And also when he was ran away from home when he was 12. <laughs> And they found him, Joseph and Mary found him in the temple uh, explaining quantum mechanics to a bunch of aged <laughs> Hebrews. And they said, what are you doing here? And he said, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Like, hey, mom. <laughs> right? Yeah. What, did you take your mother to work day, mom? Right. <laughs> That's once again, like the guys in the basement, like, mom, yeah. I'm in the middle of a game. I'm online. I'm online. Rosemary, you and I went to see that wonderful play 
about oh, right. Mary, uh, which restores mm -hmm. one's faith in her greatness. I thought. Yeah, uh, it does. Who wrote that? Colm. Colm Toybeaton. Yeah. And anyway. the Irish writer. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. The Last Testament of Mary. It's oh. also published, and I have a, a copy of it somewhere here in my uh, in my heap. It started as a book. You know, it's interesting because he, the Mary in the Last Testament of Mary bears a very strong resemblance to the Mary in the Last Temptation of Christ, kind of you know railing against her fate and thinking, you know, I didn't ask for any of this, and you know, just kind of being very rebellious. It was it was good. You know, yeah. I, he saw the humanity in her, and both those writers did. Well, I'll share a story about you know my faith in the power of Mary because my mother was always a big devotee of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That was that was her go-to saint, I think, for pretty much her entire life. And I remember she came to my high school one time for parents' visiting day, and she was in the art history class with me, and I think we were looking at a painting by Giotto, and she immediately picked Mary out on the scene. And the teacher said, well, how do you know that's Mary? And she said, well, she's wearing blue. You know, Mary right. wears blue. That's <laughs> just, everyone knows that. And if you don't, you know, once again, you have not been paying attention. But when my brother passed away, my mom was looking for some kind of a sign that he had ascended into heaven himself and that he was maybe not bodily present up there, but, you know, his spirit was being taken care of. And so one night she was lying in this room in our house, and I swear this is a true story according to her. There was a storm outside, and she's lying in this bed, and suddenly lightning appeared in the room above her. Wow. Just this oh, electricity, wow. this field of, you know, electric blue lightning, essentially. She was shocked and terrified, and she just kind of lay and there thrilled, on, sure. underneath it. Yeah, and fascinated by it. And she felt immediately like this was my brother sending her a signal, mm -hmm. you know, that, that this was the way he would communicate. Then she told me the story, and what was really funny about it to me was that I had recently read somewhere online, because I'm just fascinated by esoteric different things, that there's a phenomenon called ball lightning, where lightning can kind of come into this ball-like form and hover above the ground for some amount of time. And it is such a rare phenomenon that it was reported throughout history, and it can happen indoors. And there's, if you look online, there's like Victorian illustrations of it, of a bunch of guys being shocked in a Victorian <laughs> drawing room as there's this ball of lightning in the room. And a lot of scientists didn't believe that it existed for a long time, up until only very recently. And now that we have cameras everywhere all the time, it has been caught on camera. And so now you can, it's online. Oh, you, wow. can, you can see examples of ball lightning. And so I was talking with my mom and I said, this is exactly what my brother would do uh -huh. is he would think it was hilarious <laughs> to terrify my mother while simultaneously reassuring, reassuring her, her sure. and sending her a signal. <laughs> and he would know that I knew this other thing that I had read. And so he would say, oh, well, Christian will tell you he knows about this phenomenon. And so therefore, I'm telling him to. It would all kind of circle back and we would communicate with each other and say, it does seem like that would be a message from him. So we have a special guest on the show today, a big fan of the Blessed Virgin Mary and a wonderful woman, my mother, Frances O'Toole. Mom, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Christian. 
I'm very happy to hear from you. I'm happy to hear from you as always. Can you tell us what your background with the Virgin Mary is in general? Well, I went to parochial school starting in the first grade up until the 12th. And I had the Sisters of St. Joseph, and we always had in the month of May uh, a devotion to uh, the Blessed Mother. In my own family, my mother used to have a big statue of the Virgin Mary in the kitchen. And if we had exams or something terrible was happening or somebody died, she would be lighting candles to the Blessed Virgin, and she would pray for whoever had them, whoever had an accident, whatever had befell them, along with going in town and getting masses and lighting candles for them. She was a big believer of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and she instilled in that in all of her children. I even have a big statue of the Blessed Mother in my kitchen. Didn't we have one as a bird feeder, too, when, we were, when I was growing <laughs> It was an aversion. In, in Radford Lane, they had a virgin in, it's like half a circle where you put it and you uh, have a big statue. Most churches have one like that of the Blessed Mother where they put the uh, virgin inside some type of a covering so the rain doesn't hit her, I guess. I don't know what, but maybe it's because that's the way she appeared to the children at Fatima. I think it has something to do with that. Maybe it was a bird bath I was thinking of. It looks like a bird bath. <laughs> <laughs> there was always birds in it, so they seemed to enjoy her. Yeah. Well, I was telling Sean and Rosemary a little bit about the story that you told me after Coleman passed away, where he appeared to you as lightning and then the connection to the Virgin Mary. Can you share with us a little bit more about that story? Yes. Well, after Coleman died, I was out in the yard and I was fixing things and it started to thunder but and lightning, but no rain. And it kept going on and on. And finally, I looked up at the sky and I said, knock it off, Coleman. I know God's letting you play with the you know, thunder and lightning. And for a while, I had a very hard time dealing with Coleman's death. After he died, I didn't cry for um, months until I finished everything I had to do for him. And when I finished, I fell asleep that night and I woke up crying hysterically. And then every night I would look out the window and I would say, Coleman, Coleman, where are you? Are you all right? And I was very worried about him, even though I do have a deep religion and I know there's God and I know he's there, but he was my son. So one night I woke up at about three in the morning and it was thunder and lightning like I have never heard before. And I looked out the window, and it, the lightning was just unbelievable. And there were two, two things of lightning. And the next thing I knew, it was flying through the sky, flew in through the window. I mean, you're talking about walls and everything else. All of a sudden, it expanded, and there was, you know, all kinds of fire and lightning in the outline looked like the Blessed Mother to me. But even at that, I was against the wall saying, why the clothes on fire? Why aren't I dead? What is going on here? And then all of a sudden, it closed up and went speeding out the window. Now, while I was lying there watching this, I kept pinching myself to make sure I'm awake. I'm awake. I know I'm awake. And I'm watching this. And then I got out of bed and 
said to your father, he was in another room, I'm sleeping here tonight because you won't believe what just happened to me. And then the next day I called you and I was explaining it to you. And you told me it was called a ball of lightning and it was supposed to have something to do with religion and it had something to do with the Tsar of Russia and his son. Then after I absorbed all that, I went to the cemetery and I met this woman and she had another state license plate on there. And then she turned and she said, who died? And I said, my son died. And I explained about Coleman. And then I told her this story about the thunder and the lightning and the rain and everything. And she said to me, well, do you happen to be a devotee of the Blessed Mother? And I said, well, let me see, 24 hours a day, seven days a week since whenever. I said, yes, I think so. And she said, well, that's supposed to be a sign from the Blessed Mother. It happened to my sister. She, too, had a child that died, and she, too, was just beside herself. And she prayed to the Blessed Mother, and she had the same thing happen to her. So I said, well, <laughs> you can't beat that, but they're getting confirmation. But it, after that, I, I, I knew Coleman was all right. I knew that he was fine, and he was having a good time. And it makes it easier to be there. It's not always easy, but it makes it easier. And having you makes it 10 times easier. Thank you. And what I told Sean and Rosemary is that Coleman's personality is such that he would have thought it was really funny to both terrify you and reassure you at the same time. That to do both things at once would be really tickling to him. (laughs) So... (laughs) He couldn't just, like, send a bird or a rainbow or something. He had to. (laughs) No, that is true about Coleman's personality. He had to really instill in me that uh, I'm all right. You know, I gave you a little thunder and lightning. You didn't believe that. How about this? Right. Send it right into the bedroom. Yeah. But I also think, as I told Coleman when I had to tell him he was dying, the Blessed Mother was on one side of him. God was on the other. He suffered a lot, and he never complained. And that God was very, very pleased with him. And I have no doubt that when he died, he went right to heaven. But even knowing that, it was hard to accept until the thunder and lightning came. (laughs) Which, yeah, that is Coleman. Well, and you're like the Blessed Virgin Mary in that way that she lost her son, too, when he was young. So Yes, yes, I used to think about that. They're not far apart in age, I guess. Well, I just hope that someday I can, uh, I keep telling people, uh, I told some woman that lost her son and she talked about suicide. I said, no, you can't do that. That's a sin. Then you won't get to see them. And she said, well, I guess I'll have to rethink it. Yeah, if you've ever Which, seen Beetlejuice, you end up working in civil service in the afterlife right. if you commit suicide. So you don't want that. No. <laughs> I, you have to have a sense of humor about some of these things. But no, it's it's something I deeply believe. And I've, I've heard of other people that have had uh, similar experiences. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Maybe we'll have you back sometime and you can be joined by Rosemary and Sean too. And we can we can all share our favorite stories of the Virgin Mary. Thank you. I think it's a very interesting uh, program.
and you can learn a lot. Well, thank you. But obviously you have to say that. So thank you, Christian. I love you. And I love you too. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Now, people can go and fact check that. I don't know. Maybe this, maybe this was Mary herself. You know, at that meeting your mom, yeah, possibly to to explain that that is how I communicate. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I've ever lost faith in Mary, but that definitely strengthened mine. I mean, it seemed like just an incredible. I lost faith in her once. How? Why? You know those days when you used to have to, well, you used to to take a statue of Mary home so everyone could say the rosary in front of it. This was a long time ago, believe me. Yes, yes. And on the radio, the the nun said you would say the rosary along with the radio. Yeah. But the nun said, whatever you do, don't take Mary out of the suitcase. They put her in some big suitcase, the statue. But of course, when I got home, the first thing I did was take her out of the suitcase and dress her up and I put my muslins on her so she could have a nice gown and all sorts of things. And she was like a little doll. And as I was picking her up, she banged her hand on the table and her hand fell off. Oh, my. And... It was my very first panic attack. I can't believe I totally be-handed Mary. It was <laughs> terrible. But my mother, who was also another devotee of Mary, who never used glue in her life, just got her, her hand right back so the nuns didn't yell at me. Wow. That's so a miracle. Like a little... That's a true miracle. Yeah. That's like the original Elf on the Shelf. Like you're not supposed to touch <laughs> it right. because the Christmas magic goes away. There's an episode of Dairy Girls, which is the funniest show ever to be made it's like an I- irish girls show on Netflix. irish irish girls in ulster but yeah. i can't even watch it because i get it hurts me too much <laughs> it's like but in any event in one episode the nun who is a pretty worldly nun i mean that is to say sane nonetheless has a great devotion to the infant jesus of prague and as some sort of prank or something the dairy girls try to steal it and break it and then they have to try to put it back together again. But what uh, Rosemary is the infant Jesus of Prague, not being one of the craziest, craziest manifestations. The little guy standing on the world, whatever he's up to. What is the infant Jesus of Prague? I have a medallion of him somewhere in the house, but he's a baby holding the world, wearing a crown. Is a vision that someone, some Czech person had at some point. So, but that's the uh, the goofiness of the. You would find that in an Irish service station, along with a picture of Padre Pio and John Kennedy. They'd be all giving you the hairy eyeball. <laughs> My favorite thing, Mary's story, which is not true, is that when Robin Hood died, of course. Maid Marian didn't know Maid Marian had become a nun and was walking around in her nunnery in the garden. And the Virgin Mary appeared to her and told her that Robin Hood had died. And Marian said, thank you for telling me. But the Virgin said, he always honored me. She said, he always honored me. Wow. And that's my kind of Robin Hood. (laughs) There is a cyclone in the Dominican Republic right now, apparently, and it's possible that Rosemary was just taken out by a ball of lightning because she broke the Virgin Mary's hand, and (laughs) she was just reminded of that, and, you know. She's being swept up in the cyclone, possibly all the way up. (laughs) Here we are now. So while we wait to see if we can reconnect with Rosemary, there was a few other feasts that we kind of skipped over this past week, and... Last Sunday was also the Feast of St. Dominic. So we have some content about that if you want to check it out. We just launched a Patreon page where you can become a supporter of the show. And so we'll post a little bonus content. We did a tight five about St. Dominic. 
before Rosemary left. So you can find that there. And also over the past week was the Feast of St. Lawrence. Yes. So on the 10th of August was the Feast of St. Lawrence. And Sean, you were telling me there's an interesting correlation with, with a meteor shower. Well, the folks back in the Middle Ages, when life was good, knew that something was happening, obviously, in the sky, and they would have had a much better view of it than we did. So it must have been quite spectacular, the Perseid meteor shower, which happens to begin, or St. Lawrence's Feast Day is a time when you look up at the sky and see these flying fireballs. So as Earth travels through the heavens, when we go on our rotation around the sun, I guess every year we come back. We come back to this position. And it looked to the pagans as if it was coming from Perseid, who was one of the heroes who had been taken into the sky. But the thing why the the tears of St. Lawrence is that he was tortured severely, St. Lawrence, so he might well have wept Mm -hmm. because he was... St. Lawrence was presumably a a real person who was a treasurer of the church and who was executed. Mm -hmm. But in his passion, which would be the, the writing down of the death of the martyrs, the author, the scribe, meant to write Passos Est, that is to say he died, but instead wrote Assos Est, which means he was burned. Therefore, it was understood that St. Lawrence had died a martyr by being burned to death. Burned to death. Mm. And so the symbol of St. Lawrence is a griddle, not a girdle. <laughs> a griddle because he was effectively barbecued. And so it says here in the birthday book of saints that he is the patron of archivists, butchers, cooks, librarians, the poor, and restaurateurs. Yes. I guess because of this griddle. Because he was always pictured holding this griddle in his hand. Mm-hmm. So the it was assumed that that was because he made a living with it rather than <laughs> right, died on it. Right. He was actually cooked on it. Yes. And he's got the stories of St. Lawrence, who was, as I say, probably a, an authentic person. He was Spanish. So he was Lorenzo. When they found the bones of St. Stephen, the first martyr, they decided they'd bury them with St. Lawrence. And they opened up the tomb and St. Lawrence moved over to make room for St. Stephen. Thus, he is known as the courteous Spaniard. Oh, that's very nice. Hello. Hello. Hey, she's back. It's a miracle. I'm back. It's a miracle. I'm afraid I'm putting the kibosh on the call because I got Mary pissed off at me and I'm in the middle of a cyclone. Yes, that's what we were thinking. Yeah, we're just telling the audience that. (laughs) (laughs) We were afraid that you had been struck by lightning, to be perfectly honest. Oh, I'm so anxious now. I didn't mean to remind her. Of the broken hand. Yeah. (laughs) No, the head. I think, you've, I think you've got to find your rosary and say a couple. The joyfuls. The Go blessed the joyful mysteries, <laughs> for God's sake. Holy Mary, Mother of God, et cetera, et cetera. I have to say, I always loved the phrasing of that prayer. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Yes. It always made mm-hmm. me think of fruit of the loom, yes. I think. I know. It's hard. Well, there's but, the know, girdle. Really... So it made me think about underwear. Yeah. And I mean, it, all, it all is connected, <laughs> clearly. The Hail Mary is really a beautiful prayer. But I had no idea what that and... meant. As a oh, kid. as a child, no, yeah. no. The fruit of your womb. I <laughs> remember asking my dad about it while we were saying the family rosary, and I think he hit me. <laughs> it's a mystery. Shut the pop. It just made me think of a basket of fruit, and yes. all of a sudden, Jesus popped out, you know? <laughs> well, I really resent the fact that when you were in confession, you know, if you made it, gave up all your made-up sins, 
which I did, they would tell you to say 10 Hail Marys. Like, that's a penance. Right. No, it's not. Right. That's right. Or sometimes you'd get a whole rosary if you had, you know, been especially naughty. See, I never was. It also is interesting that that became a phrase connected with football. The Hail Mary. Yes, yeah. I know. It's a pass that's, you know, thrown into the end zone at the end of a game and in hopes that someone will catch it. There's only a prayer that yeah. this thing will work. Yeah. It's and funny, it, though. I don't know what it means, the Hail Mary pass, but I, in a way, it's kind of offensive, you know? Yeah, I mean, don't you think? Yeah, what does she care? You know? Well, the Jesus touchdown Jesus at Notre Dame may be involved. <laughs> There's a touchdown Jesus. There's a huge statue in the stadium in Notre Dame, and Jesus is obviously giving the signal for touchdown. <laughs> it, of course, it's named. That school whole school is named for Our Lady. Right. That's right. It's a strange way of pronouncing right, Notre yeah. Dame, Notre Dame, but. The thoughts are there. The devotion of the church from the very beginning to Mary is one of the reasons, I think, that it's not an entirely hateful organization. No, I know. And they were trying to take away from recently, around 20 years ago, they were trying to move away from Mary and everything, you know, her prayers, her devotion. But they failed. I remember there was a thing with Catholic universities just not putting any stress on Mary anymore. Or maybe it was more than that 30, 40 years ago. It's just like they wanted to negate her, I guess, because of her gender or because of her. Exactly. She's what keeps it from being just the patriarchal nightmare. Mm -hmm. is the, the person you can appeal to. When the Pope said it was a matter of believe it or check out, the psychologist Carl Jung maintained that this was one of the biggest theological breakthrough of the century, that finally mm -hmm. we were admitting that God effectively is a woman or that God is, that there's nothing to say that God isn't a woman. And his thing was that Mary replaces in the Eastern, I think it was Sophia, the wisdom. So the Holy Ghost, Mary, Sophia, that's the female aspect of God. And I like I'd prefer, if I have to deal with someone when I get there, I would much prefer yeah. a, a wise and gentle woman than that grouch. Right. So the, as the kids would say now that God is non-binary. That's right. You know, maybe they have they, <laughs> they them pronouns. <laughs> well, yeah, the tr Trinity. Yeah. Is it three? Which, which begs the eternal question, is the Holy Ghost a girl or a boy? Oh, I'm pretty mm. sure it's a girl because it's the creator spirit, right? In the prayer to the Holy Ghost is come creator spirit. Well, it's, I think it's women who create life life yeah. yeah we're just standing on the sidelines trying not to look <laughs> <laughs> today the feast of the assumption is also the feast of a large number of mexican priests who were martyred in the mexican revolution so oh, the power and the glory priest that's exactly the, the graham green priests and, uh, right. But wow. I, I think there's a uh, 17 of them or something who are all celebrating. I didn't know that. And it, well, I, I just, just thought it was out. the hero of the power of the glory. That's a good book, is it not? It's a great book. Yeah. It's a great book. Yeah. It really is. Poor Graham. He, his whole devotion really just pours into every every sentence. He's really incredible. He just puts his heart there. He was a bad guy, though. <laughs> he was a convert. They're always the most fanatic. I know. I know. Anyhow, we, we miss him here on Earth. There was another feast day today on the on the Assumption. St. Tarsisius. <laughs> Uh-oh. Brave boy martyr of the third century. 
patron of first communicants, and his emblem is kneeling among stones with the chalice before him. The cult of little St. Tarsicius arose after his appearance in a Victorian historical romance Catholic propaganda novel entitled Fabiola from 1854. A comely but manly lad of noble birth, Tarsicius volunteered to carry the... (laughs) He's got to have it uh, both ways, I guess. He volunteered to carry the blessed sacrament from the hands of Pope St. Sylvester, then hiding in the catacombs to imprisoned Christians awaiting martyrdom. Set upon by a gang of street toughs, Tarsicius steadfastly refused to reveal his holy mission or surrender into their profane hands the sacred host. So they stoned him to death. His shining example of piety and courage suitably intimidated generations of parochial school first graders. So Sean, you told me you got this. Oh, yes. And you would hear about St. Tarsicius and his nobility, and you would think, I'm not good. I, however good I could try to be, I would never be that good. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's hopeless to be so brave. So then he became the patron saint for a while. He was the patron saint of altar boys for a while. So to really rub it in that you had to, <laughs> as an altar boy, was all you could do to keep from tripping over your cassock. And here was or this sipping, guy. Or sipping communion wine. Right. The best thing when you got on in life, about altar boying, as I recall, was serving patent, which is to say you would walk along beside the priest as he distributed the host, saying, Domdain on some dignus, Domdain. And you would hold this golden plate under the chin of the recipient. Mm-hmm. And you always dreamed that you would save Jesus in some way, that the priest would drop it. Ah, <laughs> I got you, I saved you. Okay, Jesus, you owe me. You know what we must do, Rosemary, do you not think? We must do the rosary because it has the most spectacular history, does it not? Yes, yes. People who said the rosary on the battlefield, people who said the rosary when they're about to execute other people. I mean, it's just amazing. The stuff it's done. And what I always wondered was almost every time Mary appears to us in a tree or a well or a grotto or wherever she appears, she's got the rosary. In her hands. Mm-hmm. And I want to know if she's saying, hail me, <laughs> full of grace. grace. <laughs> the Lord is with me. Right. Blessed am I. Blessed are my fruit of the looms. That's right. <laughs> or, and or girdle, <laughs> right. as the case may be. Yeah, I also was always struck by the fact that praying the rosary is very similar to like Buddhist prayer beads. Oh, yes. It's very, very zen. I always think that too, especially with the beads and all that stuff. You just... And it's about you just zone out. Yeah, it's about bringing you into the moment, you know, mm-hmm. focusing yourself in the present moment. And as you go through the prayer over and over and over again, it's like a mantra, yes. you know, so that yeah. you shut down your, your consciousness. And- I, I've, I've actually started doing it again because I found a really cool pair of rosaries and that belonged to my mother and how old they were. But I find that when I say the rosary, it's just, it takes me totally outside myself which is a good place to be outside myself. It's, you know, it's, it's yeah. like great. After the Bing Crosby rosary days. <laughs> what about Bing Crosby? He used to say the rosary on the radio, and the family that prays together, stays together, <laughs> would pray along with Bing. Oh, indeed, the rosary. And that was the Blue um, Army. Then everyone who said the rosary was part of the Blue Mar- Army, because Mary's... As, well, Bing yeah, was another... As my mother uh, said, she always wore blue. Yeah. Bing was another representative of phony Catholicism, just like Grace Kelly. Yes. 
Well, guys, I think there. I have to help on this. There's a big typhoon detail going on here. They're bringing furniture in and everything. Well, pray to St. Mary that, you know, there's no lightning that strikes balls? you. Uh, lightning yeah, balls. balls of lightning. You don't want them in your girdle anyhow, wherever you... I think we've covered it all. I mean, yeah. you know, Mary... We did. We did. You, you could talk all day and really all for the rest of your life about the Blessed Virgin Mary. She really is one of the top she's saints really, of all time. She's not what they told us she was. She was a tough dame. But they told us of... that a little bit in the litany. Remember on uh, Benediction, they do the litany of the Blessed Virgin? And she mm -hmm. was called Tower of Ivory... Tower of David. But, you know, the nuns, when they talked to their class about her, it was always, she was this meek. Oh, right. You know, yeah. little... Milksop. Never really was counted. Father Filion, who was one of our my teachers, used to say to us fellows, don't be animals. Don't be touching. I see you touching their elbows as you help them onto the buses. Don't touch their elbows. Think of them as little Marys. <laughs> <laughs> I that memorized that speech, obviously, from when I was 16, and it's still Little there. Mary. Little Mary's. Well, that's what we were supposed to be. Exactly. I wouldn't have touched your elbow in those days, Rosemary. Well, as, you know, as we yeah. said last week, St. Monica was the person that really helped bring St. Augustine around to the true faith, and, you know, it was her fierce love mm -hmm. that made him what he is. And so, who knows? Jesus may not have been, you know— the Christ that we all know and love, if had not been for his mother. So, well, that's the, how we sure. know how we know Jesus was Jewish, which is that his mother thought he was God. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, everyone, and say a prayer this week to the Blessed Virgin Mary. She's got her own prayer, so go look it up if you forget it. It's a really nice one, and you know you can even sing it. There's good tunes. There you go, the Ave Maria. That's a humdinger. Yeah. Yeah, that that is. I'm sure, lots of great versions of Ave Maria out there on Spotify, and you can find our show on Spotify as well and on Apple Podcasts. So please go like and review us. Give us the five-star ratings for Mary, for Touchdown Jesus, and <laughs> for your own soul. And follow us on Twitter at, at Saints Preserve. You can find us on Facebook, even though I personally dislike that platform for destabilizing democracy and all that but we're there and like i said we're launching a patreon where you can go and support us in the same way that people support the catholic church by giving us money yes and, you know and, and getting <laughs> rewarded so we'll reward you with some bonus content we and an indulgence every now and again they yes slip you yeah, yeah we'll just forgive a sin based on your donations exactly so, and hopefully we'll have that line of candles with the correct skin tone for the North African saints, such as Augustine and Mary. And not Mary, but maybe. Maybe. Yeah, she was Palestinian, yes. right? So, yeah. Yeah, we'll have, you know, we're going to have some great merchandise, hopefully, coming soon. So look for that and pray to Mary. She's very powerful, as my mom can tell you. Okay. All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs>